0: Here it
1: is! From deep inside your audio device of choice.
0: I'm undergoing self-isolation. It's the only way to be. Just for the lack of stimulation. So come self-isolate with me.
2: From the Home of the Homeless, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this week's edition of the show. If you're hankering after a more normal life, let me, uh, let me treat you to a hunk of normalcy right here.
1: News of Bad Banks.
2: Well, after all, what's more normal than misbehavior by our, by our banks? J.P. Morgan Chase and company provided loans to virtually all of its commercial banking customers that sought financing through the Small Business Relief Program, while the lender's smallest customers were almost entirely shut out, according to data disclosed by the bank to Bloomberg, not the candidate. The new service, more than 300,000 customers, Morgan's Business Banking Unit, which serves smaller firms, applied for loans through the Paycheck Protection Program. About 18,000 out of 300,000 were funded. A 6% success rate. All right, then. Oh, you called it a success rate. I'm sorry. By comparison, about 65—sorry, 5,500 larger and sometimes more sophisticated customers of the commercial banking business applied for funding. Nearly all of them got loans. According to the bank's data, J.P. Morgan made a total of $14 billion in small business loans through the program, so-called small business loans. The data revealed that in the race to get a loan in the first-come, first-served program, larger businesses had a leg up over smaller ones, even applying through the same bank. In that while, restaurant chains including Shake Shack and Ruth's Chris and the sandwich chain Potbelly Corporation... They received loans through J.P. Morgan, as you know now, Shake Shack, and I think Ruth Chris said they're returning the money. J.P. Morgan said it ultimately provided 26,500 loans to small businesses through both commercial and small business units. More than 60% of those went to companies with fewer than 25 employees, but its commercial bank with fewer clients was able to process applications faster said a person familiar with the matter. Many larger companies also had lawyers and accountants filling out their paperwork, which helped them get applications completed and filed with the bank sooner. Many smaller customers, on the other hand, were left trying to input the documents themselves. We prioritize getting these loans to as many small businesses as possible, said a, a spokesperson for the bank. In an email to clients, a J.P. Morgan executive said the bank unit that serves smaller firms received applications from more than 75,000 clients in the program's first hour. The number grew significantly in the following days. We had more than 2,000 Chase employees work over that weekend of uh, April 3 to review these forms, contact as many people as possible, and help position them to complete their application, said the CEO of the unit Chase Business Banking. Lenders make the actual loans. The Small Business Administration, which guarantees the loans, must first clear each company. Lenders were overwhelmed with applications. The SBA's computer system froze intermittently. Brr, brr, brr. And the program ran out of money in 13 days. 1.6 million small businesses were ultimately approved. Average loan at 206,000. Many owners say they were unfairly shut out of an effort that was intended to provide a lifeline to mom-and-pop operations. Reeling from the pandemic... Some larger publicly traded firms received large sums. At least twenty nine public companies have disclosed receiving loans through JP Morgan. They totaled about one hundred forty one million, averaging about five million each, including twenty million to Ruth's Chris. That'll buy, that'll buy a lot of ribeyes. The bank is among four lenders now facing accusations in a lawsuit that they prioritized the biggest loans. Why? In order to earn higher fees, banks earned origination fees of 5% on loans of up to 350000 3% on loans between 350000 percent and $2 million, and 1% on loans between 2 and $10 million. They earned 17500 for processing a $350,000 loan, and for a $10 million loan, about five times as much. And they're not bad, they're just bad banks. And, on the subject of money, News of the Olympic Movement. Produced by Jim Ebersole, the third. Well, the two words about the Olympics this week... Transparency and pessimism. These both refer to the postponed, possibly, Tokyo Olympics, which was supposed to happen this July. The chief executive of the Tokyo Olympics promised transparency with the Japanese public regarding the cost of postponing the Games till the next real hot July. Neither the Japanese organizers nor the IOC has said what it will cost to delay the Games for one year. Early estimates in Japan range between $2 billion dollars. And six billion dollars, I got that on me. It's a—it's highly likely that the expense will be higher than the originally planned budget," said the CEO of the Olympic Committee for Tokyo. "He said the exact amount was unclear, but we will proceed with transparency and explain to the taxpayers about the costs." Unquote. That's because the taxpayers are going to be shouldering the costs. You see, because it's—it's a. It's, it's, Although officials say the added costs are unknown, one thing is certain. It is the taxpayers who are picking up most of the bill, according to ESPN. The Tokyo City government, the local organizers, and the Japanese Olympic Committee are obligated under the contract signed in 2013. Mentioned this last week to cover most of the costs. That uh, issue is sensitive in Japan, because like many countries, it could be deep in a recession next year. Next year, brought on by the thing. As a matter of fact, a Japanese professor of infectious disease says he is very pessimistic that the postponed games can open in 15 months. Quote, to be honest with you, I don't think the Olympics is likely to be held next year, says Kentaro Iwata, professor of infectious disease at Kobe University. Oh, Kobe. Um, Holding the Olympics needs two conditions, one controlling COVID-19 in Japan, he says, and two controlling COVID-19 everywhere. The CEO of the Tokyo Organizing Committee expressed his own reservations ten days ago. The Organizing Committee and the IOC have said since then that there is no Plan B. Always a good idea, other than working for the Olympics to open July 23 next year. I am very pessimistic about that, unless you hold the Olympic Games in a totally different structure, such as no audience or a very limited participation, said Iwata. You have to invite so many athletes from many, many places, which is not very compatible with this infection that is causing a pandemic. Japan might be able to control this disease by next summer, and I wish we could, but I don't think that will happen everywhere on Earth. Cases are not, unquote, Mr. Iwata. Cases are now spiking in Tokyo and other large cities. Professor of Global Health at the University of Edinburgh, Devi Svidar, says holding the Olympics may hinge on finding a vaccine. He says without a vaccine, they're unlikely in 2021, and that also applies to the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing, according to the Associated Press. Dr. Ali S. Khan, Dean of the College of Public Health at the University of Nebraska, told the AP that even without a vaccine, it may be possible to go ahead. Fifteen months is plenty of time for public health to wrap around this problem, even without a vaccine or drug. He said suggesting that the creativity of the medico-industrial complex would tackle the problem. He said it also might take some rethinking of the Olympics in terms of venues, athletes, spectators, and back-end, unquote. You leave my back-end out of this, sir. The Olympics, it's a movement, and we all need one. Every day! now news from the land of 15,000 princes, our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia. Well, that country appears to be exploiting weaknesses in the global mobile telephone network to track its citizens as they travel around the U.S. That's according to a whistleblower who's show, uh, shown the British newspaper The Guardian millions of alleged secret tracking requests. The, uh, whistleblowers seeking to expose vulnerabilities in a global messaging system called SS7. The data, he revealed, appears to suggest a systematic spying campaign by the kingdom, according to experts. And who would know better than experts? The data suggests that millions of secret tracking requests emanated from Saudi Arabia over a four-month period beginning last November. They sought to establish the U.S. location of Saudi-registered phones and appeared to originate from Saudi's three Biggest mobile phone companies, the whistleblower said, they were able to unable to find any legitimate reason for the high volume of the requests for location in, in information. There is no other explanation, no other technical reason to do this. Saudi Arabia is weaponizing mobile technologies. Unquote the whistleblower. Well, they weaponize everything else, don't? I, no, what do you mean? The data leaked by the whistleblower is also seen by t- telecoms and security experts who confirm they too believe it is indicative of a surveillance campaign by Saudi Arabia. Why didn't they just call Facebook? The data shows requests for mobile phone location data that were routed through the decades-old SS7 global messaging system, which allows mobile operators to connect users around the world. Experts, here they are again, expressed alarm at the tracking request data because of the apparently persistent high frequency of the requests that appeared to be emanating from Saudi operators seeking to locate their subscribers once they entered the U.S. It's not known whether those operators, requesting large amounts of tracking data about their subscribers, were knowingly complicit in any government-run surveillance program. However, it has already been widely reported that the Saudi government uses cyber weapons to hack dissidents and critics of the kingdom's crown prince. (laughs) Crown prince? Crown prince? Sure, that's a title. One Middle East expert, Andrew Miller, member of the National Security Council during the previous administration here, not there, said surveillance was part of the kingdom's modus operandi. Quote, I think they're surveilling not only those they know are dissidents, but those they fear may deviate from the Saudi leadership. They're particularly worried about what Saudi nationals will do when they are in Western countries. Unquote. may, may need a bone saw or two. But now, once again, speaking of money, Who's getting the other money? We talked about what was going on at J.P. Morgan, but more than $77 million in federal small business funds went to a national network of auto sellers, AutoNation, despite its being a company worth billions that employed more than 26,000 people before the thing. In response to questions from the Washington Post, the AutoNation executive vice president, Mark Cannon, said the company's board voted to return the funds, even though the company had acquired them, under the rules created by Congress and intended to use the money only to pay employees. As usual, people connected with the company, wanted to speak only when you couldn't identify the speaker. Documents show the company may have received even more money, a total of $95 million, spread across dozens of locations, an amount that would be more than triple the amount any company is known to receive, through the fund, AutoNation disputes that figure. The $3 billion firm, publicly held, operated in 18 states before the pandemic. It used separate tax ID numbers assigned to dozens of its more than 300 locations to apply for at least $266 million in funds for separate dealerships, including Jaguar and Land Rover of Bethesda, Maryland, Porsche Orlando, and Lexus of Cerritos. That's near L.A., AutoNation stands out among the other large companies that received SBA funding. SBA stands for Small Business Administration. Due to the size and value, the agencies re- refused to release data on which companies received loans and the amount of those loans. It's impossible to know whether even larger companies received funding from the program, according to the Washington Post. AutoNation executives compiled detailed spreadsheets of which dealerships had already applied, been approved, and received the money. More than 81 locations, 4.6 million for an Audi dealership in Bellevue, Washington, 2.7 for a Toyota Mall location in Georgia. The majority of our dealerships are able to apply for this," said the uh, an executive of the company on a call with employees last week. The uh, CEO said in a statement to the Washington Post, "The company was clearly eligible and applied on behalf of the 7,000 employees furloughed caused by the crisis." AutoNation intended to rehire all 7,000 under the PPP program. Two company employees said they took issue with AutoNation getting the money. Quote, Small businesses don't have investors or millions in cash and credit to weather the storm. One of them said AutoNation could have made it through without taking these loans out. Employee said the loans are, quote, an obscene amount for any company to take out of this fund that was intended to help keep our communities intact. Unquote. Funds were intended to go to companies with fewer than 500 employees that are unable to obtain credit elsewhere. An AutoNation general manager, a different employee, said it was, quote, disappointing that a large publicly traded company can cloak itself in these different entities so it can reach out and grab these millions of dollars. The general, ma- unquote, the general manager added all the decision-making was done by executives. Quote, none of us at the store level had any idea we were applying for this money. That was all done at the corporate level. Unquote. Follow the dollar. And speaking of money, speaking of money again, uh, we are now in this weird period. It's all been weird. It's all weird. But this weird period where different Political figures in different political subdivisions in this country and in different countries abroad are weighing in with different ideas for when and how to recover from the lockdown, as it's called in most countries, uh, that has followed the COVID-19 virus. Of course, at least one country hasn't locked down. That's Sweden. We're still keeping an eye on them. The country that seems to have done the best job of getting on this in the anti-Swedish direction, that is to say, closing down early testing tracing, is South Korea, which is already beginning to reopen. Of course, in the United States, there is great debate among the states. Georgia, under Governor Brian Kemp, has already opened hair salons, nail salons, bowling alleys. Florida's following suit. They're not filing suit. They're just following suit. Um, I think Utah is in that number. Uh, Other states, like California, nothing's happening until at least May 15th. Of course, there is a... This being a federal country, constitutionally, there... there's always going to be a certain amount of variation among the states, and the states have different conditions and different different regions, don't you know? But other countries have different regions, too, in, inside them, inside their own borders. They seem to have national policies. We don't, except for uh, what until this weekend was um, a fairly consistent dose of cheerleading from the top.
3: Tired of sheltering, sure you are. In a room, you want to be in your car. Scientists say, sure they do. Trouble is, scientists don't know you. Let's get back out, America. Give the market the juice that it needs. No need for doubt, America. Let's see what happens. See where it leads. Born with old games, blame TV. Worried and scared, don't blame me. Can't blame anyone, sure you can. Blame Italy, China. Japan. Yeah. Let's get back out, America If it helps your president, that ain't a crime We want this bout, America If not, we just do all this one more time Your bailout, I don't know Taco Cabana got their dough What's wrong with the Dems? I'd ask that too Unlike me, they don't care about you Let's get back out, America Florida and Georgia have the cure Got to shout, America It might not be presidential But my one credential is I'm so
2: And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the warm, won't you? It's a copyrighted feature that's broadcast. Last I checked, but I never checked.
0: Soft, listen to the warm. We can listen to the warm.
2: Findings published in the journal Science Advances... Where's, science, where's the journal Science Retreats? I want to findings published in that journal show that oil and gas operations in America's sprawling Permian Basin are releasing methane at twice the average rate found in the previous studies of the 11 other major U.S oil and gas regions. This, this is authored by scientists from the Environmental Defense Fund, Harvard, Georgia Tech, And the Netherlands Institute for Space Research, quote, these are the highest emissions ever measured from a major U.S. oil and gas basin. There's so much methane escaping from Permian oil and gas operations, it nearly triples the 20-year climate impact of burning the gas they're producing. That's the co-author of the study. These findings demonstrate the rapidly growing ability of satellite technology to track emissions like these and to provide the data needed by both companies and regulators to know where emissions reductions are needed, uh, Permian oil and gas operations are losing methane at a rate equal to 3.7% of their gas production. The wasted methane, which is the main component in natural gas, is enough to supply 2 million U.S. households. Well, where are they? Why, don't they? why aren't they lining up? Methane is a potent greenhouse gas, human emissions of which cause over a quarter of today's warming. Satellites offer an important new measurement tool that can cover large areas faster and more frequently than conventional methods. Good for satellites. uh, Permian Basin is basically Texas, Oklahoma, I think. I don't have my basin maps in front of me or behind me. When iron is limited, the tiny algae that live within coral cells, which provide the majority of a coral's Nutritional needs change how they take in other trace metals, which have cascading effects on vital biological functions. A new study in the journal Coral Reefs, I get it for the ads, explores how different species of these microalgae rely on iron, whose already limited supply in oceans could decline with warming ocean waters, perhaps exacerbating the effects of climate change. On corals, quote, iron deficiency is not just a problem for humans, hence geritol, but for other organisms as well, said Hannah Reich, a graduate student in biology at Penn State at the time of the research and author of the study. So, why don't you uh, get some calves liver for the uh, corals? Great source of iron. On April 1st, water managers across the West used the amount of snowpack present as a part of a simple equation to calculate the available water supply for a given region that year. Historically, this method has accurately predicted whether large areas of the West will experience drought and to what degree. Now, new research from Colorado University Boulder suggests that during this, this here century, this one right here, our ability to predict drought using snow will literally melt away. By mid-century, over two-thirds of western U.S. states that depend on snowmelt as a water source will see a significant reduction in their ability to predict seasonal drought using snowpack, according to the study in Nature Climate Change. Hey, if we're flying blind, might as well fly totally blind. News of the Warm, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. This is Le Show, and while we're talking about money, (laughs) yeah, I guess that's a theme. I'll have to ask Ira if that qualifies as a theme. Rupert Murdoch's Fox Corporation, owner of Fox News and the Fox Television Network, announced pay cuts to its executive ranks as it works to mitigate the effects of the coronavirus outbreak. And those executive ranks are plenty rank. The Fox Corporation chief executive, Lachlan Murdoch, why, he's the elder son of Rupert. How did that happen? Made the announcement in a memo sent to the company's 7,700 workers this week. Quote, while we don't know exactly when we will return to normal and full operations across the company, we've decided to take several new actions to ensure that we remain strong and are well positioned when this crisis recedes. So, um... The family patriarch, and he will forego their entire salaries, all the way through September. Wow! Can we clap on the balcony for them? Most of their compensation, though, comes from stock awards and bonuses. So that uh, Rupert, for example, makes five million in salary. His compensation tops twenty-nine million with incentives and stock. Same with Lachlan: three million in salary, twenty million stocks and bonuses. Fox will see a 22% jump in revenues to $3.3 billion in May, when it reports, according to a survey of analysts by S&P Capital IQ, partly based on increased licensing fees for its channels, such as Fox News. The company has taken some hits to its advertising business after the broadcast division lost key sports programming, including Major League Baseball and NASCAR. Big ratings draw. Other high-level executives are going to forgo their salaries, although they that's not where they get their real money. Executives who report to Lachlan Murdoch will see a 50% reduction in pay for the same period, including the chief executive of Fox News, Suzanne Scott. So she's going to have to work just a little harder to um, pander to the cult. Lachlan Murdoch Stressed the importance of helping frontline workers Imp- impacted by the coronavirus. Suggested employees could try virtual volunteering. This call for a workforce effort against the virus stands, as you may know, in contrast to somehow to some Fox on-air personalities and how they have talked about the pandemic. No need to be detailed about that because you can. He- Hear echoes of what they say in the comments of the president. Speaking of the president, (laughs) President Donald Trump. um, Yes, much controversy this week when uh, he kind of riffed at his Thursday news conference. um, An official from the Department of Homeland Security had uh, delivered a report at the um, then daily afternoon briefing which some news story suggested that briefing was not sufficiently vetted by white house staff and um president trump got a um, a of it you know a boiled down kind of one-pager 15 minutes before he went out onto the uh, podium at the lectern. See how I use the two? Um, And kind of riffed about how fascinating it was that the uh, DHS spokesperson had talked about the fact that the coronavirus molecule was sensitive to heat as well as to disinfectant. Now, this piqued his interest despite the fact that His interest was not piqued by the presence of a um, pandemic-type response in L.A. It's warm, sunny. New Orleans, warm, sunny. Australia, experiencing the end of summer, about the time that the whole thing started, warm and sunny. South Africa, you get the idea. Anyway, the president started um, riffing. Riffing, I say, on those ideas, and ended up suggesting in a kind of a question aimed at Dr. Deborah Burks, one of his um, experts, there's that word again, as well as to the uh, representative from Department of Homeland Security, as to whether disinfectant, which could kill the molecule on contact on a hard surface, could be injected into the human body and kill the virus there. Um, this started kind of a little little fad of bleach drinking. Don't do this. The um, CDC, the FDA, and even some companies which manufacture bleach-type products said, no, 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 no. This would be the first time in American history that any private company waved off an endorsement of its product by the President of the United States. You may have seen, uh, almost everybody did, the the uh, coverage of Dr. Birx, who was sitting in the uh, side chairs at the presidential briefing on Thursday, and her facial expression when the president did muse aloud about whether you could inject disinfectant into the human body. Perhaps coincidentally, perhaps not, Dr. Anthony Fauci, an authority on epidemiology and immunology in the federal government, wasn't that that briefing? Huh? Now, of course, the briefings have stopped. The president held one on Friday, but didn't take questions in the wake of the firestorm of musing. Musing out loud about his musing out loud about injecting disinfectants into the human body. And in the meantime, the Republican Senate leader, Mitch McConnell, mused aloud. There's a lot of musing aloud this week. Mused aloud about whether the state's and uh, local governments, but mainly states, in his u- in his usage, which are experiencing budget-busting expenditures with a budget-busting reduction in revenues. And states in the United States have to have balanced budgets, unlike the federal government. The um, Republican Senate leader mused that maybe the states, especially the ones that are kind of tinged blue, might want to consider filing for bankruptcy. Of course, as the New York governor pointed out the next day, that would require the passage of a new law by Congress allowing states to be bankrupt, go bankrupt, and a signature on the law by the president. And uh, Governor Cuomo dared the Republicans to do it. It's almost too much to keep up with, Almost. This
3: week, for the first time, the new normal is in trouble. And for the businessman turned chief executive, a harmless ad-lib may be turning into a shot across the bow. And before the encore... Mr. President. Tony. unusual for you to request a meeting with me. Usually I run that part of the show. I understand, sir, but... uh... I'm doing this partly at the request of someone else. Great. But in case you haven't noticed, the name of this production is not MTV Total Request Live, right? <laughs> Am I right? Uh, Dr. Burks asked me to talk to you. What? She wants a bigger scarf budget? I'm telling you, Tony, that woman is hiding either wrinkles or scars, big time. I, I don't pay much attention to her complexion, sir, but she admires you so much, it's... Uh, It's difficult for her to say what she wants to uh, communicate face to face Extrapolating from her behavior, I'd say uh, If something would happen to Melania I'd get a younger one Uh, So it's a big deal, I got Hannity on pause Uh, uh, Well, she feels it's getting harder and harder for her to be at the full briefing every single day What, I'm wasting her time? I got more serious people than her standing on that podium with me. You, for example. Well, sometimes I have to excuse myself to meet with... Okay, then Mike. He doesn't even excuse himself when he belches. <laughs> what a genius move he was. I wonder whose idea that was... Oh, yeah, mine. So what's Deborah's problem? Uh, look, she feels very slightly compromised when things that are said on that platform... Uh, clash very very subtly with what uh, scientific evidence tells us. Is this about the so-called bleach deal? She's bothered by just the latest hoax. I'm sure you've noticed, sir. There are close-up photos all over the internet of her trying not to react to... uh... The uh, disinfectant injection moment, I think we can call it for the purposes... Of... For the purposes of buying into the fake media? You know as well as I do that when words like disinfectant and injection crossed my lips, they had no intention of meeting up on the other side. And my lips, believe me, I mean she said it herself. I was just giving thoughtful consideration out loud on live TV. Well, I had to pour two glasses of Prosecco down her throat to get that statement approved, sir. Yeah, you know, she would never say this herself, but... So, don't you get in hot water for saying it for her. <laughs> Mr. President, I'm 79 years old. Hot water doesn't scare me. Scalding hot? No, sir. Two times boiling hot? Sir, she's going to want to send an aide to the next few briefings. Fine. Whoever she wants to accompany her, there's plenty of room in there. Mike can stand off to the side. He'd stand behind a monitor if I asked him to, and I could, but I'm not going to do that. Dr. Burks wants permission to withdraw from the briefing, sir. That's so interesting, Tony. I was just about to say, I'm up to here with looking at those freaking scarves. She hasn't repeated, not even once, a bunch of those things. Uh, shall I tell her that... Tell her she'll have a scarfed-up ass on that podium tomorrow. Oh, she's out of here with a letter of non-recommendation, signed by my autopen pen, personally. All right, sir. And... Tony. Yes, sir. You've got a task for this week. All right, sir. Make sure you keep a cork in it. Right? Only way to be, sir.
1: Mitch. Sir, normally the last thing i do is (laughs) come interrupt you during your Lou Dobbs time. Ah, no trouble, Mitch. I got
3: a DVR rolling. See? Watch this. It just starts up at the beginning.
1: What the freaking hell? Well, that looks just like Wheel of Fortune, sir. My wife's brother loves that show, so I... DVR set to the wrong freaking channel. Who does that?
3: Okay, Mitch, make it snappy. I gotta get somebody to fire somebody.
1: Mr. President, we're approaching a very delicate time frame. No kidding. I gotta make an incredibly tough decision by Sunday night. So you've committed to a national plan for the reopening. A what? For the what? I have to decide by Sunday if we stick
3: with the original date for the convention. You know, so I can get re-nominated? Kind of important for the whole re-election thing? Uh, well, in a way that's why I'm here. Uh, 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 we're not going to go move the uh, convention to Louisville. I mean, we
1: could. I could. I have the absolute power to move it, but... A lot of my members are getting a little bit on the nervous side. Part of it, it's me. Probably shouldn't have said the B word.
3: What word is that again?
1: I... Bankruptcy. I said the state should look into declaring bankruptcy if they were, basically, if they were run by Democrats. And they're saying my members that you, you shouldn't have said another B word. See, again,
3: clues aren't
1: really what bleach. I...
3: Bleach. Oh, Mitch, that's a hoax. I never said bleach. I said disinfectant bleach isn't a disinfectant it's a a, a, a bleaching agent sir i know you love your briefings love it's the way i get between the fake news and my base it's like i'm the vaccine for the fake news virus and we've already tested me
1: mr president i'm just thinking that uh, both for your benefit and that of my members that are up this november Maybe both of us should uh, stay away from TV cameras for just a little while. Maybe until the convention. I mean, it's not just us in the Senate that feel this way, to tell you that God's honest. Mike called me this morning. Mike? My Mike? Mike, he grinded the glass himself to crawl across it for me? That Mike? People are sitting at home paying a little bit too much attention right now, sir. We're broadcasting when we want to be narrowcasting. casting. <laughs> Do you use some TV talk? Oh, I know TV talk. I know it better than Mark Bonetta
3: I know it. So Mitch, here's your task for this week. Yes, sir. Don't tell anybody about me canceling the briefings. All right, sir. I want it to be a surprise, especially for Deborah. It'll give her a brand new wrinkle to hide. New teams, new tasks, same mission. We're gonna make the economy great again. Now the world is his boardroom. The presidentis, This week, if your state is ready for it. Now,
2: news of the godly. There's a pastor in Louisiana. He has a mega church. Who doesn't? And um, my first question about him is, is it his real name? Pastor Tony Spell. That's right. Pastor Tony Spell. He defied stay-at-home orders intended to prevent the spread of the coronavirus by holding large worship services. Now he's facing criminal charges for driving a church bus backward toward a protester outside his church, according to... Washington Post. He's drawn nationwide attention for continuing to hold services attended by hundreds of people at his Life Tabernacle Church near Baton Rouge, despite facing six misdemeanor charges in March for violating orders from the governor that limited mass gatherings. But his name is Spell. do you get it? Central Police Chief Roger Corcoran said police have a warrant for Spell's arrest. How could you arrest a Spell? Come on. He's wanted on a charge of aggravated assault related to the bus incident, which took place a couple of weeks ago, a week ago. According to Corcoran, the police chief, Spell was driving a bus and backed it up on the shoulder of the road, stopping the vehicle within a few feet of a protester. A parishioner is also facing charges for swerving his car towards a protester. No one was hurt, but he was trying to intimidate the protester, said the police chief. Police reviewed video of the incident, which local TV outlets aired. Boy, there really is nothing to watch. Spell wrote in a text message he would not surrender, and the authorities would have to take him out of his church. Uh, He's a bus driver, as as well as a pastor, but he's named Spell. It's probably not because of his bus driving. He said he had just finished dropping off church members before his encounter with a protester. I approached a man, quote, this is a quote, who verbally assaulted my wife and little girls. He's a crotch-grabbing middle finger using against my church ladies, he wrote in a text message. What would you do to a man like that? I think that's a rhetorical question. Spell says he's reported the protester to police every day for 36 days, but police didn't respond to his complaints. He said he stopped the bus, quote, because it was a waste of time. This is the proudest day of my life to be persecuted for the faith. Unquote. When the Washington Post asked whether he considered Sunday's incident to be an act of faith, he suggested he would block a Washington Post reporter on his phone. The lawyer representing Spell has been hospitalized, <laughs> not meaning to um, find this at all funny, has been hospitalized with coronavirus symptoms. A member of his congregation has died of complications from the virus. That's the Life Tabernacle Church, ladies and gentlemen. uh, Spell's legal team, as if all of these details aren't enough, also includes former Alabama Chief Justice Roy Moore. Look him up. News of the godly. Just gets more godly every day. And now, the apologies of the week.
3: We're so sorry.
2: Dateline Rowan County, North Carolina. A glitch or hiccup resulted in several people receiving multiple calls and texts from the RoCo Alerts system in Rowan County. In a press release, officials offered an apology. RoCo Alerts, this new program has allowed us to send notifications to a large group of people at once for events such as severe weather, chemical spills, and lost children. On Friday, April 17th, the ROCO Alerts team received a telephone call about a missing 16-year-old who presumably ran away from home earlier in the day. We felt the most efficient way to send this notice was to formulate a ROCO Alert. Even given the late time frame, typically a one-time text alert is sent. That did not happen in this case. A hiccup in the system caused many residents to receive multiple telephone calls and text messages regarding this missing child. For this, we apologize. Yes, it was frustrating. Yes, people were awakened from their sleep. And yes, we are implementing plans to keep this from happening again, unless it is a major emergency event. Deadline Hollywood, Josh Brolin says visiting his father, James Brolin, and his stepmother, Barbara Streisand during the pandemic lockdown was, quote, irresponsible. He uh, posted a video over the weekend on his verified Instagram addressing having broken having broken social distancing rules in California with the visit. He faced backlash after a now-deleted post showing him, his wife, and their toddler daughter poolside in Malibu with the elder Brolin and, Stre- uh, and Streisand. The younger Brolin posted an apology video with a caption that read, Thanks for the reset. Ha- uh, hashtag respect social distancing quote my father lives next door to us and we had a plan to go see them and not be near them and that plan was broken and that's our responsibility broken brolin says his video we were going to pick something up and show the daughter the pool because we don't have a pool and yeah I think it was irresponsible it's hard to be honest sometimes it's hard to be honest and say maybe I screwed up I knew that was in the air not because of the responses but the responses Brought me back to My own truth Unquote Dateline Chickateague, Virginia Town council member apologized to the mayor, fellow council members, and Chickateague residents for his participation in a gathering held earlier this month in violation of the governor's executive order during the pandemic. Quote, I would like to take this opportunity to apologize for a situation I found myself in a few weeks ago that went against our governor's order, said Councilman Matthew Reed. I made a mistake. I was in the wrong place in the wrong time. I went to what I thought was dinner with a couple of friends. Governor Northam issued an executive order which, among other measures, prohibits gathering of more than 10 people in late March. Violating the order is a Class 1 misdemeanor. Officers on Chincoteague, which is an island, cited three people for organizing a party at a closed restaurant there, where up to 18 people gathered. But that's not the only one. The mayor of Beaumont, Texas, Mayor Becky Ames, issued a written apology on official city stationery two days after a photos surfaced of her receiving service at a Beaumont nail shop. This came one day after the Texas Department of Licensing and Regulation announced they were launching an investigation into the incident. Ames was defiant just after the photo was released, saying she did nothing wrong. Two days later, she was more humble. My heartfelt apology to all of the citizens of Beaumont for my lapse in judgment. I did not intend to take personal privilege while asking others to sacrifice And for that, I am truly remorseful. As an elected official, I'm held to a higher standard. I regret my action that day. I'm honestly sorry, and I pray you will forgive me. State officials say the investigation will be conducted at the nail bar. Currently, all nail and hair businesses are ordered closed by the Texas governor. Michigan State Senator Dale Zorn apologized this week after wearing a face mask on the Senate floor that looks like the Confederate flag. Never too late. Zorn wore the mask to the Republican-controlled state Senate on Friday to vote on a resolution that would create a joint committee to oversee the state's response to the pandemic. Quote, I'm sorry for my choice of pattern on the face mask I wore yesterday. I did not intend to offend anyone. However, I realized that I did. And for that, I am sorry. Those who know me best know that I do not support the things this pattern represents. After the session, he told a local radio station the mask was not a confederate flag it was made by his wife but looked similar to tennessee and kentucky flags but quote even if it was a confederate flag you know we should be think talking about teaching our national history in schools and that's part of our national history and it's something we can't just throw away because it is part of our history unquote taiwan president Tsai ing wen apologized this week for handling of a Cluster of COVID 19 cases on board a naval ship, which has so far left 28 people infected with the virus, saying as commander in chief, she holds ultimate responsibility for the military. Sai so acknowledged that the outbreak on the Pan Shi fast combat ship has drawn a great deal of attention from the public. As commander in chief, quote, the military's business is my business, she said. It's weird. Chief executive taking responsibility. Who taught them that? The U.K. government apologized after a new booking website for coronavirus tests ran out of supply within minutes of opening. The company's top medical official warned that the pandemic is far from over. Cue the Frank Stallone goalie. The web portal launched Friday as part of a plan to ramp up testing for the disease following weeks of criticism over ministers' response to the crisis. But the 5,000 home testing kits were available on the first day of the program were snapped up (laughs) within... Two minutes. The Boston Red Sox were said to have illegally stolen signs. Do we care? Anybody? Okay. In the 2018 season, a World Series championship season, and the commissioner's investigative report confirmed those suspicions this week, the video replay operator was found to have used video to illegally steal signs in real time. The Red Sox ownership held a conference call with all the other owners to apologize for the sign stealing scandal another alert glitch the system glitch caused at least three botched amber alerts in the past three months according to the utah department of public safety it's no longer going to use the wireless emergency alert system for the alerts at least you know for the time being till things blow over the department made the announcement after many utahans expressed confusion and frustration about an early morning alert that contained no information. The alert came in connection with the South Salt Lake kidnapping case. The abducted child was located a few hours after the alert. So it worked. The uh, Department of Public Safety Commissioner, Jess Anderson, apologized for Sunday morning's alert. The system can be very useful, however, not when there isn't any information attached. I apologize and have put a moratorium on the Amber use until further notice. The alert was sent statewide at 3.33 a.m. This has happened with Amber Alerts. In September and November, over the past several months, we've been working to improve it, said the department in a news release. And Bill Ritter, an anchor for New York's ABC7 TV station, apologized on air for mistakenly saying a recovered coronavirus patient had died. Didn't he used to be on the network? Yes, he did. After telling the story of a star athlete's battle with the coronavirus, Jack Allard, Ritter then declared New Jersey Governor Murphy had announced the young man's death. But when ABC7 producers rolled the clip, Murphy was not saying Allard had died. In fact, the governor was relaying a happy story about medical personnel clapping as Allard walked out the door. I feel horrible. Jack is very much alive. Jack, we love you, Ritter said afterward. Again, he's alive and back home. He's come home in the quite literal sense. My deepest apologies for that. I was just misread everything and I apologize, but he's alive and we're grateful for that. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, not dead yet.
1: That concludes
2: this week's edition of the Show. Back next week at the same time on these same radio stations and on your audio device of choice whenever you choose. To La Show Chapeau to the San Diego desk. To Pam Halstead and to Tom Walsh, Tom, Thomas at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's program. Email address playlist of the music your chance to get a Cars I Talk T-shirt, all at Harryshear.com, and I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change Is Easy Radio Network. Stay home, stay safe.